Hello, Husky fans, and welcome to another episode of the UConn Pod. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm here with Dan Connolly and Dan Madigan. Uh, we'll start things off with a bit of sad news uh, from last week. Uh, on Wednesday morning of last week, uh, reports came out that Stanley Robinson, a former UConn Husky on the men's basketball team who played from 2006 to 2010, uh, he was found dead in his home at the age of 32 in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, incredibly sad moment for the Yukon community. Uh, Styx was a tremendously well-liked basketball player uh, and person. And uh, you saw it <clears throat> from the outpouring that, uh, that came out as, as people found out, people who covered him, people who were close to him, his family. Um, former teammates, uh, people who had played against him uh, at different times, coaches who had played against him. He survived by his mother and three daughters and wish all the best uh, for the, the Robinson family uh, as, as they're uh, going through this challenging time. Uh, and for me personally, I was, you know, someone that, overlapped with my time at UConn. Uh, we had some mutual friends in common. So I, I had, had, did have a chance to meet him while I was up in stores and can at least confirm what, what other people have said about how kind hearted of a person he was. Um, and as a basketball player, just an absolutely uh, joyous player to watch, uh, responsible for so many uh, great memories. He had endless potential and um, ended up not being able to reach kind of everyone's dream of making the NBA, but still had carved out a solid professional career for himself, uh, playing in the D league and overseas. Um, just a real tragedy, uh, sad to see. And yeah, I mean, just rest in peace, Stanley Robinson. Yeah. Just, just incredibly sad. I, Robinson was, you know, one of those players on that final four team that that year and the year before that, those were some of the teams that I first started really following really closely as a kid. And um, he was just an incredible player from the moment he stepped onto campus, you could see that potential that he had. I don't know uh, if we've seen really another player like him. And I don't know if we ever will to be, to be quite honest. I know, um, that final four run in 2009 where he just became basically the best basketball player on the planet was surprising, not surprising because he was so up and down, but uh, you always saw the talent there and, and it was so fun to watch him play because he was so athletic. He could jump out of the building. He, you know, was hustling every play and he just looked like he was having fun out there. And that's something that I think a lot of people could relate to because he fired the fans up and I think he kind of fired his teammates up as well. So yeah, it's just incredibly sad. And uh, he always came up. I think when we had these pods, I know you and I would bring him up. I'm on because we would always talk about some, you know, a crazy dunk from book James book night or something Quentin Williams put on Instagram. And, you know, we would say, Oh, he's the best athlete we've seen. And we, it's always Stanley Robinson. It's always going to be Stanley Robinson there. I don't think there's ever going to be anyone like Stanley Robinson again, in terms of just pure in-game athletic ability, just a, just an absolute freak of a basketball player and, and so much fun to watch night in and night out. And while he didn't have the, the NBA career that 
many of us hoped he still was able to carve out a pretty solid professional career overseas, like you said. So just an incredibly sad, sad day. Uh, I know I was really taken aback when I heard the news and uh, just prayers to his family. And, and hopefully the Huskies will do something to kind of honor his legacy this season, whether it's a, a jersey patch or a stripe or, or something like that to remember what he did for the program. Yeah, and on top of that, he overcame a lot, you know, to, to be able to make that Final Four run at UConn. Um, anyone who follows the UConn Huskies knows that Jim Calhoun was really hard on his players and uh, expected a lot from them. And, you know, to find out that he had suspended Stanley Robinson for a semester, um, there's certainly a, a version of events where that ends up with him leaving UConn. So uh, I think, you know, when we're talking about honoring Stanley Robinson and his legacy, the, the perseverance he showed to, um, you know, working at a, at a metal factory and uh, just getting his grades in line and, and growing up and being able to rejoin that team um, just says so much about him, him as a person. And I think, uh, you know, should always be remembered when, when we talk about Stanley Robinson, I'd recommend that anyone go read, some of the coverage uh, that came out after this, we, we got to see or hear a lot from Jim Calhoun and, and other former players. And, you know, again, just really helped paint the picture of, of that person and uh, Stanley Robinson, what he gave to the program. Uh, and, and as we said, uh, all the best to the Robinson family at this time. This past Sunday, Dan Hurley and his staff received some good news with the verbal commitment of Russell Diggins, a point guard from Philadelphia ranked in the top 50 by most sites in the class of 2021. That would make Diggins the first 2021 recruit for the Huskies in that class. Uh, he chose UConn over offers from Kansas, Florida, and also Villanova, who many thought uh, might be his favorite. He plays for Archbishop Wood, which is a uh, prep power in the Philly area, and just this past year was named MVP of the Philly Catholic League, which uh, is a very, very high level of competition, one of the top ones in the Northeast region. So huge pickup for the Huskies. Um, the comparisons to all of the UConn lead guards of lore are there. Um, we have a conversation with Corey Evans that'll go later in this uh, podcast where he goes into that a little bit more, but uh, so much to be excited about with this first commitment for Dan Hurley and the UConn Huskies uh, with Russell Diggins. Yeah. Uh, great way to start off the class of 2021 as I've, probably said a million times on different podcasts since Dan Hurley's taken over. It's just so obvious with every single player that commits that Hurley knows exactly how he wants to build every single one of his teams. He knows what his needs are going to be in two years, three years, four years out. And not just that, he goes out and gets the exact type of player that he wants to fill a certain position. And then with this, it's point guard. So I think it gives you gives UConn a really nice balance of point guard depth the next few years because he comes in next year and he might be a little buried with RJ Cole and Jalen Gaffney ahead of him on the roster. But then RJ Cole is going to graduate. Gaffney is going to be a junior. So then he'll have a couple of years to learn behind Gaffney. 
and whether or not Gaffney is a four-year player, I will have to see. But there's that stretch that UConn had with guards, that just unbelievable stretch where it went from Marcus Williams to A.J. Price to Kemba, Shabazz, Boatwright. Those guys all overlapped from each other, and they were able to learn from the players before them, whereas then Jalen Adams came in the year after Boatwright left. He didn't really have that mentor UConn guard to learn from. He was learning from Sterling Gibbs, who good player wasn't – he wasn't a point guard, though, and he was kind of forced into the point guard role on that 2015-16 team. But I think the fact that they can just go into Philadelphia and get one of the top point guards – in the area over Villanova is just awesome and just shows how huge the Big East is for UConn because I think Hurley could have made things work in the American and they never were going to totally fail just because of the American. But this is just another example of how much the Big East is paying off. You look at Andre Jackson, who probably would be going to Syracuse if UConn wasn't in the Big East, and Adama Sanogo, who probably would be going to Seton Hall if UConn wasn't going to be going in the Big East. Now you've got three really, really good players coming in that without the Big East, really good chance to not come to UConn. So I, it's just another really good pickup and pretty much the best way to start off the class of 2021. Yeah, it's always good to pick up a recruit from a rival's backyard. Uh, I like Diggins. I think it's a solid pickup. I know I think UConn did get a little bit of help. Uh, they seem to be the front runner for Diggins for the past few weeks, but I know that Villanova picked up another guard in the same class that ended up committing a week or two before Diggins. So that may or may not have opened things up for, for Hurley. But regardless of that, that's still a great pickup. Uh, he's not a huge guard. He's like six one. I saw him at 6'2 in some other places, but seems like he's really capable of playing both guard spots and he's a good good to above average mid-range to three-point shooter so always good to have guys that can play multiple guard positions uh, I feel like that's something that UConn hasn't really had in a little while um, Book Knight isn't really much of a ball handler Jalen Gaffney isn't much of a scorer or at least we haven't seen that yet so uh, it'll be good to have some versatility and that'll just make him more appealing as a bench piece uh, right away when he comes in as a freshman so I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table. And you're right. It's just a great start to this 2021 class. Yeah. I, I think he will be able to see some playing time early. He seems to have a pretty polished game and, and at the very least could be a third guard um, either in the starting lineup or, you know, just like the first guard off the bench. Um, but yeah, what a, what a fantastic guard room that is when you think about Gaffney and book night and uh, uh Adams, Brendan Adams. Wow, I forgot his name for for a second, but um, Brendan Adams has been coming on strong as well, and R.J. Cole this year. I mean, it's just going to be a loaded group, uh, and I think that's you know, if there is a season, that's going to give tremendous flexibility to Hurley. Uh, it's going to make the team not as susceptible to an injury, kind of ruining the trajectory of a season, um, and constantly give uh, Hurley and staff people to work with. So. Um, I think it's uh, everything about him sounds like he's a, he's a great fit for UConn's DNA. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's just an, a really, really exciting start to the 2021 recruiting. And of course, could not agree more about just we're seeing the impact of the big East fast and hard at this point. Uh, it's, it really has not even been that long uh, and it's making a significant difference on the roster for sure. 
Yeah, they actually, uh, I think it was either Neil Ostrout or Dave Borges uh, was on the phone with Diggins' coach, and the comparison to A.J. Price came up. And I feel like A.J. Price is kind of lost in the shuffle amongst, like, the great UConn guards, but he's probably, just on his resume alone, he's probably, if he went to Providence or St. John's, he's probably one of the two or three best guards in program history. and. He doesn't even stack the list. He's not even in the top five probably at UConn. Uh, and that's not a knock on A.J. Price. He's a tremendous player. So if he can come in and play like A.J. Price on the basketball court, all the off-court stuff aside, uh, that's an incredible addition and someone that you definitely want to have in the program. Yeah, I mean, A.J. Price made a Final Four. He, he spent some time in the NBA. I mean, that's a – he's – He's right in there around that top five. I, he's probably not in there, but he's, he's around there. Yeah, um, extremely underrated. Yeah. In, in other news, speaking of some of our uh, younger players, um, in case you have not been following uh, the internet uh, and different Instagram and Snapchat stories that um, the sleuths on the Boneyard and Twitter are able to, to dig up, but we're seeing last year's freshmen get absolutely jacked. So we are seeing pictures of James Booknight, Jalen Gaffney, a cook, a cook, just looking. I don't even know how to describe the difference in how they look, looking like they took, took the Madden, you know, create a player and just zoom and move to move the strength across to the top. But um, it looks like the new strength and conditioning coach is uh, doing well and, uh, excited to see that, but have you guys seen those pics of uh, our new Jacked boys? Yeah, and I mean, it's not just the fresh, the rising sophomores too. Isaiah Whaley looks absolutely shredded. I mean, it, it's incredible what what Mike Refel is doing. Um, he was at Cincinnati before. Cincinnati, obviously, say what you want about them and their program, Dan. Uh, I don't want to get you riled up, but uh, we know that they were always really strong, stout, uh, just and a pain to deal with on the board. So. Um, if he can bring that kind of tenacity in the weight room over to, to stores, that's going to be a huge addition. And there really hasn't been any continuity in the strength and conditioning program it, it, for the men's basketball program. I think they've had, this is not exact, but probably five or six coaches just since the last national championship. So it's basically one coach a year, um, which is not good because you need some consistency to kind of build strength and, and trim down on mass and everything. So hopefully Refelt stays around and we're, you know, he's able to kind of build on that year in and year out, but I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. I mean, Gaffney, Booknight, a cook, Whaley, they're freaking jacked. I, I, we haven't seen UConn players like that. Maybe since Jeff Adrian probably is the only one I can really think of due to absolutely ripped. Yeah. Ed Nelson. True. True. So that's, that's our cautionary tale, right? Is yeah. Ed Nelson. We don't want <laughs> too we jacked. Don't, we don't want these guys to lose their, uh, what made them such fluid and, and graceful athletes. So uh, there is, there is potential for the, um, the Ed Nelson problem. I mean, you know, look, every off season, every basketball team's players are uh, working hard on their fitness and their bodies and to get stronger, better balance, whatever it may be, you know, we, we see it every football season when we find out some, you know, the backup linebacker lost five, uh, gained five pounds, but lost body fat. But, um, I think especially for those guys, a cook in particular, to be able to be stronger and be able to hold it down a little bit more in the block. Uh, 
can only mean great things for the Huskies. I remember when at the beginning of the season, when we first started to see a cook and he kind of started to emerge, one of the big things was how much that half year he came the year before where he got to practice with the team, how important that was to his development. Because one of the pieces of that was that he added weight in the weight room. And I just remember watching a cook on the court and being like, if he added weight, what did he look like before? Because he was such a skinny dude out on the court and like him adding strength is going to, he's just going to become an absolute force down low. I mean, he can already do everything inside out. If you're trying to post up against him or back down, I mean, it's going to get 10 times harder. And then Jalen Gaffney, my first impression when I saw him play was that he looks like me in a t-shirt. And despite me being a former division one practice player, you don't want to look like me in a t-shirt if you're a, an athlete at UConn. So the fact that he's gaining some muscle with the way he developed as last season went, I think both of those guys are just primed to be absolute monsters when they're back, whenever they're back out on the court. We love to see it. Don't be Ed Nelson. Don't be Ed Nelson. Uh, Insert pickup truck here. Yeah. Just a few updates that the squad wanted to share with you guys. Uh, So the UConn blog team has launched a couple of newsletters, uh, just a way to share our work and other things that we see from around the world of UConn sports with you. Uh, The first of those is the fast break. Uh, That's a a newsletter on covering all things UConn sports. It's got, uh, Videos, tweets, looks at the Huskies and the pros, uh, looks at different causes to, to keep an eye on, uh, looks back at a game from Husky history. Uh, a lot to digest in there, but that's something that arrives weekly in your inbox on Monday mornings. Uh, like, like I said earlier, a download of all things UConn sports. Uh, you can check that out on the UConn blog uh, to find out more. Uh, and then next we have a uh, women's basketball, UConn women's basketball newsletter that Daniel Connolly is uh, taking the lead on. Connolly, you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the way the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly started was I've always, we've always kind of wanted to do a kind of roundup of different news because throughout the season, as we're covering games, writing up notebooks, coverage like that there's always just different little bits of news that kind of fall through the cracks and then there's always been a place where I've wanted to be able to write less conventional stories ranking uniforms or talking about history with the team or just other non-traditional coverage that we have throughout the season so you can find that with the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly it comes into your inbox every Thursday it has a recap of all the news you might have missed the last week has a full story for you to read on, like I said, anything from uniforms, history, analysis of the team, some of the best highlights of social media. And once the season really starts getting into gear, it'll have Gino's best quotes of the week because, I mean, it's just inevitable that he's got some good, great one-liners about Anamakura or the way Kristen Williams is playing defense throughout the season. So... To find that, you can just go to the UConn blog. It's uh, featured 
on there as well every Thursday. It just comes out later than when you'd get the email. So that's a great incentive to sign up and get in your inbox. Uh, yeah, you should all be signing up for that if you care about UConn women's basketball. Um, I, I might be a little bit biased, but for my money, Dan Connolly plus Megan Gower plus Ian Bethune, that's, that's the best women, UConn women's basketball coverage team in the state and probably the nation. So uh, a lot of material in there worth, worth digging into. Uh, hope you all do subscribe. Um, in other news, in case you may not have seen it, uh, there is a way for you to get t-shirts with Yukon logos from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s that uh, you may not have known were available. Uh, and your friends here at the Yukon Pod do have a discount code for you. You can go check out connecticut.rivals.com to find out more and take advantage uh, a lot of great designs of old Husky logos, the, the, the women's basketball one from the 90s, uh, the, old, the old Husky with his tongue out, uh, and then a bunch of you know, real old school ones that you may not have seen before. Uh, definitely recommend checking it out. Again, that's on connecticut.rivals.com. To go a little bit deeper into the Diggins commitment and the state of UConn men's basketball recruiting, I was lucky to be joined by Corey Evans from Rivals. Uh, and after that, we have a discussion on UConn Huskies in the WNBA and NBA. All right, Husky fans, we are extremely lucky to be joined here by Corey Evans. He's a college basketball recruiting expert from the Rivals Network uh, and has been a frequent guest of this podcast. So, Corey, thank you so much for joining us. No, most definitely. Thanks for, so much for having me back on here. So, yeah, let's dive into it. UConn got a big commitment over the weekend in Russell Diggins. Um, he's a, he's kind of a combo guard from Philly, but what can you tell us about the, the most recent UConn commitment? Yeah, I, I love him. I love him. I think he's definitely that throwback UConn type of lead guard that kind of has a little Shabazz Napier type of flair and um, dynamic about him. Um, I thought he was vastly um, under-recruited until this spring. Um, someone that we have in the top 50 um, nationally, we've always been somewhat ahead of the curve with him. Um Villanova was kind of late to the party to offering, but um, was definitely a strong suitor there. Um, so was Florida, so was DePaul, so was a number of others. But either way, it's a ginormous win, I think, for, for Dan Hurley um, and his staff. I think he's someone that day one really impacts that program. I'm sure that's that's music to a lot of people's ears to to evoke memories of Shabazz Napier, and we've also seen comparisons to AJ Price, another former UConn guard. Um, any players in particular that uh, any other players that he kind of reminds you of that that you would compare his game to? Man, I think Shabazz is the best I can do. <laughs> yeah, that's what um, I but you know. It, it, if UConn fans have not seen this kid play or haven't seen him live, of course, what you're going to get is just a competitive son of a gun that, you know, doesn't have the greatest size in the world, but makes up for it with his heart, determination. Um, you know, the last two times I've seen him play, 
he scored 34 points separately. So he's someone that's not afraid of the biggest of platforms, um, more than capable playmaker in making others better, uh, but also more than capable shot creator for himself. Yeah, I mean, that that league he plays in is is a pretty serious one, right? The Philadelphia Catholic League? Yep, yep. I mean, you, you have a guy that's coming from the same high school program as well um, as Colin Gillespie that's, you know, known for its production of college talent. So he's someone that um, he's more than ready for the college game um, because of what he's gone up against at the high school level and also on the travel ball platform with team final. So he's definitely um, someone primed um, to compete at the highest level. Um, so far, uh, you know, anyone, even the most casual observer of, of UConn's recruiting would be able to say there's been an uptick uh, when you think about Andre Jackson, Adama Sanogo, and now, now Diggins. Um, can you just kind of speak to what kind of, what kind of momentum UConn has on the recruiting trail and, and what that might mean for them? Yeah, we're talking about the past, you know, two, three, four months with adding Snogo as a reclassification guy and then Diggins. Um, you know, Dan Hurley and his staff are in a prime spot to kind of pick and choose now, you know, instead of um, maybe reaching or hoping. Um, now they're in a spot that they can be selective with who they target next or who they add next um, with maybe even turning down prospects to where two years ago, they're just trying to add fringe 100 guys. Now they're turning down uh, top 100 talent. Oh yeah. That's, that certainly is a notable, notable difference. Um, so a few names that there's been a few names thrown around in terms of other guys that, that UConn's been involved with. Um, what are your thoughts on, on who might be next or who else is, um, you know, at, at a really high level of interest with UConn in the class of 2021? Yeah, I think what we're seeing is UConn pursue, you know, a shot making guard or wing um, as well as a big man, you know, so that's why, you have guys like Jordan Hawkins, who's a, a top 50 prospect as well from the DMV um, that will release his final 11, I believe, on Saturday that UConn will definitely be a part of. Um, Ja'Kai Robinson, another guy from the DMV that UConn is probably fighting off, um, potentially Maryland and Seton Hall and Clemson for. Um, Jalen Blake's a 6'2 combo guard shooter from uh, Blair Academy, um, Lucas Taylor, 6'5 wing from Carolina, and Trevor Keel. So they've really uh, thrown a blanket out there. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the first one, first, you know, for, first come, first serve basis, who wants that offer. Um, but, you know, I think they're in a good spot with all those guys to at least get one of their top targets at that two guard spot. Mm-hmm. We've also been seeing um, the name Samson Johnson thrown out there uh, quite a bit. Um, have you heard anything about him? Yeah, I think Samson Johnson, you know, uh, Frank Kepnig is still kind of in the mix. Mac Etienne, one of those three guys is really um, a top target for UConn. I think Samson Johnson has been a lot of talk about, um, you know, UConn, Syracuse, Seton Hall, St. John's, your typical – 
um, Big East battle in the Northeast, but you know, Samson's someone that um, played the Patrick School this past year with John Kaminga and also, um, you know, at almost no go. So there is some familiarity there. Um, I'm not saying UConn is a favorite, but I would definitely um, say they're one of the top two or three to beat for sure. And then the first name that I think, you know, would probably come up with any UConn fan would be Donovan Kling. What's your sense of where his recruitment is right now? Yeah, I think Donovan's kind of enjoying the process, man, rightfully so. I mean, Donovan's was kind of a um, one of the better-kept secrets, I guess, throughout the New England and Northeast region as a 2022 prospect. And, I mean, his <laughs> his numbers at his local high school were absurd. Um, <laughs> and, you know, just looking at his numbers, it's going to draw an eye from the national suitors, which it has. But – you have a kid that's, you know, born and raised in, in Bristol, Connecticut, um, and right there in the backyard, and um, someone that, you know, kind of saw UConn as one of his top schools as a youngster and as a kid. I think UConn is definitely the team to beat right now. Um, I'm not saying this commitment is anywhere close, but when it comes time for it, um, whether it's as a 2022 prospect or does he reclassify like some of these other top-tier guys do, either way, um, UConn's going to have a say in that recruitment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's shaping up to be a really competitive uh, recruitment. So we, we, of course, know that anything can happen there. But uh, thank you so much for the insight on, on UConn there. To kind of just broaden things on, on this, the landscape of recruiting in general, um, are there, you know, are there games going on right now? I feel like I've seen some announcements. Yeah, there there actually is um, some travel events, travel games going on throughout different portions of the United States. Um, Georgia, Atlanta has been a hot spot um, for these events. Um, there's an event in Knoxville. There's some events down in South Carolina, Kansas City, some in Texas, some in Vegas, um, even Minnesota. Um, there was expected to be two giant events down in, um, in Las Vegas this weekend, but um, that was canceled because of the ongoing um, COVID situation there in Las Vegas. But mm -hmm. yeah, you know, we're, we're all watching. Um, myself, Eric Bossy, um, fellow analysts throughout the industry, college coaches. I myself, you know, I'm having a hard time really put a ton of value into that as much as I want to. It just we don't know where these these kids are coming from um, mm -hmm. whenever it means the resources and, you know, getting into the gym consistently and even just nutritionally, you know, are they able to eat properly? I mean, we don't know the at-home situations for every prospect that we evaluate. So it's kind of not fair to um, – way or put so much weight into what they're doing now um and for as much as we want you know how what a prospect looks like right now compared to six months ago that's just uh that's the situation that we're in mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's going to be so tough to evaluate and especially those people who are coming in on their kind of their money time i guess those like rising rising juniors and stuff like that uh, this is really when they kind of get noticed on that national level. So um, 
how, how do you, you know, how do you begin to go about making some sort of evaluation or updates to your evaluations during these times? Yeah. You know, when I said I don't put a ton of value in those evals, I still put some value in because you have yeah. to, and it's there. And it's kind of like, Kind of like having an open book test and not looking at the book. I mean, you've got to read it to some extent, right? And, um, you know, maybe it's not a physical shape of a prospect, but if I saw a player six months ago and at least have a general feel and a vibe on someone, um, say I'm watching, um, you know, Rasul Diggins. I mean, I've seen Rasul Diggins a million times, uh, high school-wise, travel ball-wise, camp sitting-wise. If I saw him again tomorrow, um, you know, maybe I'm watching, you know, his general ability to get off place with the ball, you know, his yeah. general ability to read a, read a game, you know, passing abilities, uh, decision-making abilities. Um, certain tangibles I might put more value in compared to a few other things that I might weigh um, if it wasn't for the ongoing, you know, situation in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, wishing you all the best on, on, uh, getting in touch with folks and being able to do what you can. I hope, hope we do get to see more basketball this summer. I think, uh, people really, if you're not familiar, the summer circuits, um, are, are absolutely incredible to watch. Um, Corey Evans, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you want to let our, our audience know where they can find you online? Yeah, of course at rivals.com. Um, and on Twitter at Corey Evans underscore 10. But uh, thanks so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, for most UConn fans, this is probably the most exciting time and, and uh, at the program since, you know, the, that, that, that national title around with Kevin Ollie. So, you know, it's, it's good times and stores, you know, with what Dan Hurley and his staff have been able to do and with the return of James Booknight and, you know, making the move to the Big East and, laying a top 50 guard that kind of fits the fabric of that UConn culture. Um, it's definitely a good time to be a Husky fan for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. And, and certainly agree. Uh, so thanks Corey. And uh, we'll look forward to beginning in touch again soon. Okay. So professional sports are going on in some way, shape or form. And that includes basketball, uh, both the WNBA and NBA are playing in their respective bubbles uh, within the safe confines of the state of Florida. Um, WNBA's regular season has gotten started, and the NBA season is going to get started on Thursday. Um, of course, so many former Huskies to be tracking in both of those leagues. Uh, Connolly, you want to give us a quick rundown on how the Huskies in the W are doing? This year, there are 16 former UConn players in the W with Maya Moore, Tina Charles, Renee Montgomery, and Tiffany Hayes all opted out for various reasons. So that number could be as high as 20, along with two assistant coaches, Asia Jones with Washington, and then Kelly Raymond, who you probably know better as Kelly Schumacher with the New York Liberty. I think probably the biggest storyline is just the return of the UConn megastars, because Last season, Diana Taurasi played in six games with a back injury. Sue Bird was out for the year. Brianna Stewart was out for the year. The best UConn, former UConn players on the planet right now. And all of them pretty much missed the entire season. All those players are back. And I think 
it's hard to argue that at least the Storm are WNBA favorites with Stewie back and Subert back and the rest of the talent they have around. I mean, generally, based on her career history, if Brianna Stewart's on your team, there's a very, very, very good chance you're going to win the national championship or the WNBA finals or the rec league trophy that you're playing for. The gold medal. Right. Brianna Stewart has probably won since the start of her UConn career more championships in whatever tournament season than she hasn't, which is just absurd for an athlete in this age. And then there's also the new players getting into the WNBA. So you have Megan Walker, who unfortunately had COVID-19. Luckily she was asymptomatic, has since gotten over it and is now cleared and with the New York Liberty in the bubble. So she should be making her WNBA debut soon. And then Crystal Dangerfield, I think pretty much one game into her career has already started to make GMs regret letting her slide to the second round to the Lynx because she went off in her first game scoring 10 points. But more importantly, most of that came in the second half and she really helped the Lynx to the upset over the Connecticut Sun and was credited by her teammates and head coach Cheryl Reeve for just the spark she provided in the second half. And I saw this on Twitter and I think it's a really good comparison, but it's just incredibly similar to the way that she started her UConn career. If you remember that game against Baylor at Gamble Pavilion, UConn was still trying to find itself in that post-Stewie year and they were kind of going back and forth and then Dangerfield just kind of came out of nowhere and took over that game and was pretty much the UConn was the reason UConn won that game. So very similar starts to her career as with UConn in the WNBA. Then obviously her teammate Nafisa Collier pretty much picked up right where she left off after her WNBA Rookie of the Year campaign last year. She and Dangerfield were really the reason that the Lynx won that game with them getting very little help from their teammates. So pretty much a great start for everyone in the WNBA for UConn. Um, obviously not – I think there's too many of them to go over every individual performance, but just it's great to have live sports on again. And obviously with the uncertainty that college sports are specifically are facing, it's great to see some former UConn players on the court in some capacity. Yeah, it was awesome to watch. Uh, I was watching some of the highlights with, with Stewie and Bird in the pick and roll. Uh, in that first game against the Liberty. And it's just like, it's just so much fun to watch Bird play and, and just Stewie, you know, she didn't have any blocks, but she had a nice back tap and then ran out and caught the outlet pass and laid it in. Like she looks like her old self and she's just, you know, she's one of my favorite basketball players to watch. She, she's just incredible. And I think with Dangerfield, I know, you know, it's very early in her professional career, but it's hard not to make some comparisons to what happened with Kia Nurse, right? Like, Kian Earth wasn't drafted super high uh, by the Liberty, but it was pretty obvious, like, you know, very high floor, not necessarily the highest ceiling, but an extremely high floor player from a, one of, you know, the best basketball program in the world. And is pretty much able to come in and make an impact right away. She's not, you know, she might not be a perennial all-star or, or something like that, but she's going to be a really good player in the W for a really long time. And that's an incredible value pick by the Lynx. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, Piggybacking off of something you said, Connolly, I, I'm I am really excited to see how Nafisa Collier follows up her Rookie of the Year campaign. I mean, by all accounts, one of the best forwards in the league. Uh, 
as of her rookie year. Uh, and she's just, you know, you know, she's really disciplined, you know, she's hardworking, you know, she is getting smarter with the game, you know, every single time she gets out there. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to, for, for year two of Collier. Um, I, I, I think I've read that um, she's actually Zion Williamson's favorite basketball player. So that's also something to keep in mind. Zion Williamson really looks up to Nafisa Collier. Uh, and I think that's appropriate. He's someone, she's someone that he should model his career after. Um, so, uh, excited for that. And I think also just a little bit of, a, and a little bit of a wild card talking about some of our favorite UConn players for me, Mariah Jefferson is one of those, um, just such a dynamic player on the court. Every time you saw her for the Huskies, um, has been a little hampered by injuries thus far in her WNBA career. Um, but she is, uh, back on a roster now. And, uh, I, I hope we see a, uh, a resurgence for Jefferson because uh, that she, for me, is, again, one of the most exciting basketball players I've ever seen. Uh, and so hope, hope we get to see something out of her. Uh, so in the NBA, uh, not as many former Huskies in, on NBA rosters right now. I uh, believe it's just four. We've got uh, Shabazz Napier on the Washington Wizards. Go Wiz. Uh, we've got Jeremy Lamb on the Pacers, Rudy Gay on the Spurs, and then we've got um, Kemba Walker on the Boston Celtics. So is that – did I say everyone? That's everyone who's in the bubble. Right. Well, and then not to be too technical, but I don't think Jeremy Lamb's playing coming off his ACL tear. But no, he but is he's in the, the bubble, Pacers. right? Yeah. He's in the bubble with his team, and that's what's important. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm not super – I'm not the biggest NBA fan, admittedly, so I'm not super sure of their format, but it's like a giant playoff tournament, right? Yeah, there's a playoff for who gets the eighth seed, and and they're also playing games to determine the rest of the seeds. Yeah. That's okay. like the setup. So, essentially, you're telling me that Kemba Walker's in a tournament, which means the Celtics are winning the finals. Well, Kemba's banged up, right? Isn't the, isn't that the whole thing? Is that there's, there's right, some thought, on and off knee issues with him? So I thought their really plan was to make him get him so he's ready to go full bore for like when the actual playoffs begin. Yeah, that could be the plan. I'm just saying, don't write off the Wizards because you've got now Shabazz Napier in the mix, and again, we're talking about a tournament. <laughs> Shabazz Napier is actually it's a science; he's invincible. Shabazz uh, Napier is going to be a starting point guard for the Wizards too, because there's pretty much nobody else on the team. <laughs> well, I think that's a smart move by their coaching staff. Um, of course, everyone knows the Wizards head coach. Uh, no, I don't know his name, but Scott uh, Brooks. Is it really? No, it was at one point. Though. <laughs> <laughs> See, you could have, you could have had me there. I think it's Karan Butler, actually. Uh, yeah, it head, should be head coach of the Washington Wizards. That's that's true. Don't look it up. Um, Wizards and Celtics are going to meet each other in like the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever, and it's just going to be like a UConn that UConn Syracuse OT game. Except instead of one team winning, it's just going to be those two playing indefinitely until they just have to stop them and flip a coin to decide who advances. Yeah, it's going to be overtime. Everyone fouls out besides them, and it's just the two just of them 1v1. slugging it on the court. Uh, it, I mean, that's it'll be like bird magic, to be honest. If you see. Kemba and Shabazz on the Celtics and the Wizards, two storied franchises uh, of the NBA meeting. 
on the highest stage, but um, uh, yeah, I, I honestly am excited for Shabazz. He's the way he's been able to carve out an NBA career is super freaking impressive. Uh, when you think about it, when you think about where he was as an athlete coming out of college and, and the obsession that that scouts have on height and wingspan and all that stuff. And, and Baz is not really that kind of, if you're measuring people like that, he doesn't really, doesn't really meet it for people so that he's been able to carve out, uh, you know, six years in the NBA is, is incredible. Um, and then Kemba on the Celtics, wish him the best, you know, it's a tough city to live in tough city to survive. Uh, but I do wish him the best. Luckily, he's in Florida, so he actually doesn't have to be in Boston, uh, which is great. Um, and then you got Rudy Gay, who's uh, – he, he's looking like he's actually going to be – the Spurs have like two or three guys that are injured or not coming into the bubble. Uh, so Rudy Gay might play some four. He might play some five, but uh, he's going to play. Uh, speaking of, just – lengthy and impressive NBA careers. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty – Rudy Gay's NBA career is pretty wild just because he was kind of in the league and got a big contract before the analytics stuff came in. And then right as the analytics came out, he was, like, widely regarded as one of the worst players, like, in terms of usage rate and efficiency and all of that. And, you know, he still managed to stick around, change his game, kind of had that renaissance with, with the Spurs like so many players do under Popovich. So – it's really cool to see him kicking around because, you know, the analytics, it's hard to justify or, or shame people for being, you know, having poor analytics ratings when it wasn't popular or cared about at all before then. So credit to him for adjusting his game and, and being able to, you know, have a really lengthy and impressive NBA career. Yeah, he's kind of gone from like overrated to underrated to overrated again. Mm -hmm. And now he's back to being underrated. Uh, so a wild strange trip it has been and he really came back from an achilles injury too yeah that's not nothing for sure so uh yeah uh nba season starts july 30th and uh we'll be sure to keep you up to date on all the former huskies in the league that's all for this week's podcast for amon and dan this is daniel Connolly. thanks for listening great name i i agree i completely That's agree like a phenomenal college basketball player name yeah yeah especially if you add samson johnson in oh, oh wow that is an all college basketball name too it's amazing all right oh. you can subscribe yukon wbb weekly dot substack S-U-B-S-T-A-C dot com. Uh, make sure to do that. UConn Fast Break, Iman. I think it's... You spelled Substack UConn. wrong. Oh, god damn it. What did Leave I say? S-U-B-S-T-A-C. You forgot the K at the end. <laughs>
Uh, we're Go to the blog website. Stub read the blog article. Two C's. <laughs> Subscri- <laughs> subscribe to yeah, the Substack link. I just said go to there. the Yukon blog and find out because yeah. they, they can find it. Yep, yeah, that's a better idea. Our okay. readers are smart. Baby girl, don't mean to be rude. I just want to take you out, show you what I'm about. Take you out in my pickup truck. Baby, you bound to get stuck. Ha ha. Big Ed, number 32. I'm about to kick it off for you. Saddle it up tonight. It's country time. Baby girl, don't mean to be rude. I just want to take you out, show you what I'm about. Take you out in my pickup truck. Baby, you about to get stuck. Baby girl, don't mean to be rude. I just want to take you out, show you what I'm about. Take you out in my pickup truck. Baby, you about to get stuck. I'm a little bit country. I love to play ball. That's why I got my jersey retired on the wall. So you better have some fear for the rookie of the year. Because I have it shook like you seen a big old bear. But in Connecticut, you're likely to see it there. And I'm the first damn person to knock out a queer. Ain't gonna lie. I know I'm kind of funny. People hang around me.